1 John chapter 4. I'm a little louder than normal, brother. That's okay. 1 John chapter 4. Probably need to be. And we're going to review last week just for a moment on verse 16, and then we're going to get into verse 17 through 19 uh, this tonight. Um, I want you to pray for uh, the Newberry family all through the night and tomorrow. We're going to try to get up there if we're able to uh, see her and her family. I appreciate her faithfulness to the Lord. I appreciate her family's faithfulness to each other. What a blessing. But the Bible tells us about the love of God in 1 John, and the theme of 1 John is sweet fellowship. And I like that song about precious. Um, precious means that there is no other like him. Precious means that he's precious to you. Have you ever called your mate precious? What you're saying about them is there's nobody like you and there's nobody ever will be like you. And that's what you ought to have uh, in your marriage relationship. But uh, 1 John, let's, let's start with chapter 4. It's about the uh, love of God. And um, he just finished in verses 1 through 6 on the world's marks of a false teacher. And then he goes into a section about being a true child of God. If you want to know if you're right with God, then you need, to, you need to evaluate your love one for another. You need to evaluate your love for God. You need to evaluate your love for the things of God, for prayer, uh, for just the Word of God. And we ought to love Him. We ought to love Him with all our heart because nobody's ever died for you. Nobody's ever left heaven for you and came to this earth and died in your place. We ought to love God. And we ought to love God because He first loved us. But I want you to notice uh, that it says in verse 14, we'll just back up and just read a few verses. Uh, or verse 13 is really the key. It says, Herein know we that we dwell in Him and He in us because He hath given us His Spirit. Now folks, I want to tell you something. The love of God will give you grace and power and strength to be like Jesus. His main goal in your life is to conform you to his image. I started thinking today when I was talking to Brother Daryl Newberry and texting with him and uh, prayed for him all, prayed for the whole family all afternoon while I was in these uh, chambers of x-rays that you can't move and you have to do something. So I thought, man, this is a good time to pray. Amen. And not for ourselves but for people that's going through far greater trials and been through trial after trial after trial, test after test, treatment after treatment. You know, heaven's a wonderful place, and sometimes it's a place of relief. And uh, I know they don't want to hear that, but um, sometimes after a long battle, God blesses us by taking us home. And uh, I know Brother Tommy would say that about his mom and others, but it still hurts to say goodbye. It definitely it hurts when some loved one takes their own life like today. And uh, a lot of times on a depressing day or a day of tragedy, the devil tries to keep using it. The depression causes somebody to take their own life. It's so sad. But verse 14 it says, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. 
Now, the Bible says that we ought to be eyewitnesses and testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. You know, one of the greatest things you can do is testify. That means bear witness, give evidence. And our change in converted life is evidence that God sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. We're examples of His saving power. Think about that. We're examples of His product, His fruit. We're proof of His love. And we're also proof of His saving power. And so, folks, I don't believe we ought to just straddle the fence when it comes to Christianity. I believe we ought to be totally surrendered and totally identifying with Christ. I want to say this, at the judgment seat of Christ, and I'll get into this in just a minute. I'm going to preach a lot on the judgment seat of Christ for the next few minutes, and I will be just a few minutes. Um, there ought to be something in our life that the world cannot argue with. And it's called a changed life. Now you can give them all the scripture you want. You can come to church every time the door's open. But I want to tell you something, folks. If you're not different, then, folks, the world just looks on and says Christianity is just another religion. We need to be different. That's why all these scandals in the church, all these preachers falling, all these pianists and youth pastors falling around here. It's a, it's a detriment against God. It's a shame and disgrace. And the world looks on and says, my goodness, is God real? Is it really real salvation? And so the opposite of that, and on the positive side, we ought to be a wonderful example of a changed life. I think about the Gadarean maniac. I mean, he was sitting in his right mind, fully clothed, and at peace. And he didn't want to leave Jesus. Now, folks, before that, he was streaking through a country graveyard and didn't have a lick of sense. That's what the devil will do. He'll make you crazy. He'll make you act crazy. He'll even get you to look like the world, act like the world, and talk like the world, and react like the world. And, folks, listen, we need to be different. And that's the challenge tonight. And then I see that the divine expression of love is found in, uh, uh, back in verse 12, it says, No man has seen God at any time. Just trying to summarize this. No man has seen God at any time. But listen to this. Verse 12. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. That don't mean that we're perfect. It just means that we're mature enough to reflect the likeness of Christ. I want to challenge you tonight. Don't be average. Don't be normal. Be abnormal. I'm not saying crazy. I'm not saying a fruitcake. Uh, my preacher said that the biggest fruitcake in Claxton moved out when I moved out. Of course, he was just kidding, I hope. And uh, I'll ask him when I get to heaven. But, um, folks, we need to see that. And verse 16 responds to that verse that says, And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. So, folks, what you ought to do is a testimony and a confession. Back in verse 15, it says, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in us, he in God. There ought to be a confession of faith. There ought to be a profession of faith. And, folks, he narrows it down and says, first of all, that we need to, we need to if we're going to have this divine expression of love, God's love is revealed to us first, verse 16, 
It says that we know and believe the love that God hath to us. And so for, first of all, it says we have known. And so his love has been revealed. And his love has been received. Because then look at verse 16b. It says, and God hath, it says, and we have known and believed. We have believed. Let me ask you a question. Would somebody go as far to say that you're a believer? I'm not talking about believing about God. I'm talking about a believer. Believers follow God. If belief does not affect your behavior, then you don't really believe. All through the scriptures, you'll find out like first three chapters of Ephesians on, on belief. We believe. Then the last three chapters is on behavior. Believing affects behavior. Don't tell me you believe in God and not live for Him. We believe in simply to have faith. By faith we have revealed the love of God and the Son of God. And then God is Love is reflected. Look at the last part of that verse. It says, it says, and verse 16, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. And so we received, we know, and we believe, we receive that, that God is God hath to us, God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. In other words, the proof positive evidence that you've been saved is that you love everyone. You love everyone. Look at 1 John 3, 14. It says, we know that we pass from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brethren abideth in what? Death. And so I want to tell you something. If you have trouble with hate and bitterness, you better examine your life make sure you have the lover inside of you. Love abides in the believer. And folks, it doesn't just abide and reside. Praise God, I'm telling you what, it, it brings uh, out Jesus. It manifests Jesus. Uh, we act like Jesus. We look like Jesus. I'm talking about we react like Jesus. We love like Jesus. God is love. First John 7 and 8 says, But he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And so let me ask you a question. Do you know God? Are you a believer? Uh, there was a national prayer breakfast some years ago. A congressman told the story of a busy commuter, Mr. Jones, hurrying through the station to catch his train to work. And when he noticed a crippled lad selling apples. And suddenly another man in a hurry accidentally knocked over the apples, stands, scattered apples in every direction. And the man momentarily uttered a meaningless apologies and hurried, hurried not to miss his train. And Mr. Jones, though, stopped. You ever stop for someone? Uh, for a moment, and then resumed his hurry, uh, his hurrying, about to board the parting train, and he had second thoughts, and he went back to where that little crippled boy was. And he noticed the boy was also blind, and he was desperately reaching all around, searching, groping in the darkness that he had uh, for all those apples that he had to sell. And Mr. Jones picked up every apple. He polished each one of them with his handkerchief and re-erected the uh, toppled stand and put the apples back in place. As Mr. Jones was about to leave to catch the next train, the blind, crippled little boy grabbed his coat and asked, Mister, are you Jesus? Mister, are you Jesus? And he replied, No, said Mr. Jones, but I want to be like him. 
I want to say this, is our goal in life should not to be liked, popular, rich, famous, because all that's going to go down the drain one day. What our goal ought to be, be is to be like Jesus. I want to get into this message, just three simple points. I want you to see uh, in verse 17 through 19. Let's stand in honor of the Word of God, verse 17 through 19. And I promise you I'm only going to preach about 20 minutes. And uh, you'll have to wait for the children to be dismissed. The Bible says in verse 17, Herein is our love made perfect, mature, fruit-bearing, obvious, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Here's an awesome thought. Because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but fear casts, perfect fear casts us out, excuse me, perfect love casts us out fear because fear is torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Look at verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. You may be seated. Father, use this message. Thank you, God. I got blessed through the review and challenge that I need to be more loving. Lord, I don't need to muster it up in my infatuations and my reactions and trying to impress people and have bartered love that tries to get more people to love me because I love them. God, I just need to let you be who you are through me. Lord, I'll be a better husband. I'll be a better daddy. I'll be a better granddaddy. I'll definitely be a better pastor if I'll yield to the lover in my heart. And that's the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, use this message. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, I want you to see and notice there's going to be a great moment in the Christian life. I mean, it's going to be an awesome moment. And folks, we need to realize that it's called the rapture. And I believe the rapture is going to take place very soon. I was by a cemetery the other day uh, preaching, 97 degrees. The doctor told me not to do anything strenuous and, and, and rest. And here I am in a graveside funeral in 97 degree and God spoke to my heart because I want to tell you something that man was saved his pastor had to be down in Atlanta for heart uh, uh, appointment that he couldn't get out of the uh, second pastor that was supposed to do it was uh, on vacation in Branson Missouri and he called me and said brother Wayne will you substitute for me there's going to be a lot of lost people there now what am I supposed to say I'll just let them all go to Hades. No. I said, okay, I'll try it. I'm going to have to be calm. And I uh, was at that cemetery, and I'll tell you, Brother Darrell, God spoke to my heart in a special way. Because I looked to the left, and two grave sites to the left was on the tombstone, Herschel Hicks. And see, Herschel had went and knocked on the door of this gentleman that I'm having the committal service next to the, at the cemetery, and won that gentleman the Lord in March 2003. And I thought to myself, maybe if this little old preacher had not got out of his house on that Saturday morning and went knocked on that door on Beaverdale Road, this man might be burning in hell right now while we're complaining about 97-degree weather. He'd be in hell, maybe. Maybe somebody else would have led him to the Lord, but I'm going to tell you something, friend. We need to put feet on our prayers. We need to go to the lost, and we're going to give account one day of what we did with all our time, all our talents, all our treasures. And this is what I, I see in this passage that I've never seen as real in my life, is we're going to give account of what we did with the love of God. 
Are we going to be selfish the rest of our life? Are we going to be manipulated? Are we going to live for our little old self? And I'm going to tell you something. If you do that, you could marry wrong, you could raise your kids wrong, you could live wrong, and you might die wrong if you live just for your little old self. And folks, we die to self, and there's one person that will be magnified when you die to self and yield to the Spirit of God, and that's God who is love. And I believe, folks, we live in a day and age where we need love. And we need to love others. I know one fellow in Chicago wished the love of God had come his way. Uh, he was, everybody was taking serious the command to love one another. He'd be a lot better off. Because in game six of the National League Conference Championship, the Chicago Cubs were leading the Florida Marlins to us in the series three games to two, and the score was three to nothing. And with only five outs to go in Wrigley Field, the crowd of 39,577 uh, 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 was on their feet. The first World Series was in the grass for the Cubs after 58 years. And there was a foul ball. And this fan got over-exuberant. He was a young guy. And he caught that foul ball before the player could catch it. And then the next... Uh, and it was a great rally, and they blamed it all on this little old boy. They took his pitcher, they put a sack over his head, and had to escort him out of the, out of the uh, stadium because beer was being hurled at him, and popcorn, and, and rocks, and, and bottles, and, and they were trying to kill the young boy for catching a foul ball. They said that he had to almost move out of the town because he was Villain number one, and they blamed him to be the source of the Cubs' curse. And Folks, I'm going to tell you something. That was far from beloved, let us love one another. As people kill you over a ball game, you're in trouble. Slaughter your testimony or slaughter your reputation and character and want to run you out of the town, we're in trouble. It's the same town that there's more murders in that town um, I think there's 60 per weekend in Chicago of people just killing each other. Every week, I think there's 60 people killed. And so, folks, we live in a world and day and age where we need some testimonies. We need some, we need some priority changes, and we need the love of God, and we're going to give account of it one day at the judgment seat of Christ. Let me just hurry and say this. It's the day of our Lord's return, verse 17. It says, in the day of judgment. I mean, in that day, look at 1 John 2, 28. It's my favorite verse on the rapture, my very favorite. I read 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 of every graveside when I preach a funeral. But this is my very favorite verse on the rapture. It says, now little children abide in him. That means you've got to become like a child to be saved. You have childlike faith. Look at this now. That when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him. And it's coming. Now why did John go on and say, you're going to give account of how you love people. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of an archangel. But I want to tell you something. Right after that, there's going to be a day of reckoning. And the Bible says in Revelation 22, verse 12, it says this, and behold, I come quickly. And that's my second point. The day of our, our Lord's uh, the, the day of our Lord's review will review us. The day of the Lord's will have a review to us. We'll have a return for us, but he's going to have a review for us and of us. And I want to tell you what he's going to review. He's going to review 
whether you can have boldness in the day of judgment. Look at it. It says in verse 17, Here is our love made perfect that we have boldness in the day of judgment. Now that's far from the brassness of work salvation. It means you're going to stand before Jesus and you're going to have the boldness to say, I did all I could, I did all I should, and I loved everybody, and I didn't die with some grudge or some bitterness, and I didn't live for myself. I lived for you, Lord, and I yielded to you. So there's going to be a boldness. But the second possibility is um, a condemning heart. A condemning heart. Not only a, there's a confident heart, but there's a condemning heart. Um, look at, look at the, the phrase here. It says, uh, boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, we are in this world and there is no fear in love. In other words, you shouldn't fear the judgment seat of Christ if you lived in and through his love in you. Folks, I mean, that is the criteria for the judgment seat of Christ is that you're going to give account of what you did with the love of God, how you yielded to the Spirit of God, and why you did what you did when you did it. That means what sort it was. The Bible says we'll get saved so as by fire. That means by the skin of the teeth you'll go to heaven, but you'll lose every reward, and folks, your crowns will be uh, um, uh, lost, and you'll have nothing to hand at his at his feet. You'll have nothing to cast his feet. In 1877, Evangelist A.G. Upton was leading a series of meetings in the church where C.C. Luther was pastor. And one night he preached on the subject of stars for your crown. Stars for your crown now. And the message, he told the true story of a young man who a month after being saved was fatally injured in an accident. And just before he died, one of his friends asked him, if he was afraid to die, and he replied, Friend, no, I'm not afraid to die for Jesus has saved me, but I have, been, I have not been able to lead even one person to the Lord, to Christ, since I've known the Lord, and that's what I regret. He said, No, I'm not afraid to die, but oh, if I go, must I go an empty-handed. And C.C. Luther heard that, he was moved by the story sitting there in the service, and he jotted down the lines of that famous hymn that we sing. Must I go empty-handed, thus my dear Redeemer meet? One day of service give him, lay no trophy at his feet. To tell how he does, you know, and, and, and he went on to write a great, great hymn about facing Jesus empty-handed. And so I, I think we ought to fear facing Jesus empty-handed. And sometimes when we face Jesus empty-handed, what we're saying is we were full of ourself and we were full of lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. 1 John 2, 15. And folks, listen, God wants to perfect us. He wants to complete us. He wants to accomplish and bring us to the intended fruition that God has commanded. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.10 that we'll all face the Lord and we'll, we'll face Him uh, and give account. And so there, there's not only the great um, moment, but there's a great motive. The confident heart means you have boldness in the day of judgment. The condemning heart is you fear to face Him because you fear that you're going to be empty-handed. And then last but not least, I want you to see the great model of our Christian life. Here it is, verse 17. 
Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. Thank God, folks. Thank God we have a model. Thank God we have, a, we have an inspiration. We have someone that we can be like. And all things work together to make us more like Jesus. I was thinking today, I wonder how many of the family members are going to wonder why this precious young lady 14 years ago came down with cancer. Now she's 42. And for the last 13 or 14 years, all she's done is battled cancer. From one episode to another place in her body to another place in her body. And I thought to myself, I hope somebody says at her memorial service that she became more like Jesus through the suffering. And she did. Folks, it's easy to serve God when everything's going hunky-dory. Say amen. It's easy to quit. It's easy to complain. It's easy to give up. As I was sitting on the front row, and I'm sorry if I blocked anybody's view with my big head. I thought about that later, so I shouldn't have sat there. But I wanted to keep our deacon company since he was on, on the hearing impaired row, and I thought I'd join him. And um, as, I, as I noticed Brother Dan Reed preaching, he's always been a real uh, astute and, and proper man. And I saw him in those, those house shoes and those swelling feet and, and that pain that was trying to take his leg and that infection. And you pray for him because his wife's just afraid they're going to put him on the shelf and not try to help him anyway. And, just, and we're going to pray that they do all they can, all they should. But I thought to myself, here's a man that loves God and loves preaching so much. He preaches in East Ridge, Tennessee gets a motel, stays all day and sleeps all day so he'll have strength to come and sit in a wheelchair and preach on Thank Not. Now, I don't know if that spoke to your heart Sunday night, and if it didn't, your heart has got so cold, you better pray for a thawing out because that spoke to my heart that this man can be faithful in the situation he's been in. And Brother Gary Lefford's the same way. And so many other. Miss Jennifer Newberry has been a wonderful testimony. And folks, I, I, I know with all my heart, she's been a wonderful mother to Hayden. And she didn't miss one night of the adult class because she was here bringing her little boy, her little boy, to vacation Bible school. And she suffered while she sat in that class. Not that Brother Jeremy's teaching was bad. It was just long. For her. And I just want to say, folks, that magnified the Lord to me. And so whether by suffering or pain or agony or all the things that we go through, folks, there ought to be one prayer. Dear God, may I decrease, but may you increase. And Lord, may I flow with your love. May I be faithful. May I be inspired. And that's what verse 19 says. We love him because he first loved us. We believers have no excuse not to love others because Christ showed us how to love. He modeled it. He magnified it. And folks, he demonstrated it when he cried out at Calvary, My God, my God, 
Why hast thou forsaken me? But then he said, Father, forgive them. Well, they know not what they do. And he turned to a thief while he was being crucified and proved exactly why he was dying in the middle cross. For that thief and every one of us that tries to rob God of glory and his life that he's given and entrusted us. I believe with all my heart on this day called 911, we need to look for some examples. And folks, when that, when that plane crashed into that building and it was below the floor where this dear gentleman was that was such a witness, he began not to panic or pout or he knew he was going to die. He knew that whole floor was going to die. But he got his Bible out of his desk. And he started proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ. And they said that there was a cell phone on and several people called their loved ones and said, I've just trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Jim has always been a testimony and he's always been faithful and he's always been honest about being saved. But we know now at death's door that God's real. Because this man's not trying to live. He's trying to get those people to live because he loved them so much. Folks, we're, we have a great model. But praise God, we got a great motive. And one day it's going to be a great moment when we face him. And there's no fear. But praise God, there's boldness to say, Lord, I yielded all I was and all that I could be to you. And your love touched others. You know what he's going to say? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. But I think, folks, he might just say this too. Not only have you been faithful, but you have flowed with God's love. And therefore, don't fear about coming on in. and Don't fear about facing me. Well done. You've been a lover of men. You've loved one another. And you've loved the sinner, and you love the unlovable, and you love the unloving, and you love souls. So come on in and get your reward, and then we're going to cast them at his feet and say, Lord, we did it all for your glory. Let's pray. Father, use this message. I know it's been brief, but that's all I got tonight. And I pray, dear God, that you'd help us. God, to use our life for one reason, and that's to glorify you. God, deliver us from our selfishness. Deliver us from our vainglory. Deliver us from the lust that we have and all the pride of life and the things that we try to live for. And God, help us to look at this world through your eyes. May your love be perfected, obvious, demonstrated, expressed through our little old life. And God, will count as a privilege be a vessel of your love.